0: Well, good morning again, everybody. Glad that you could join us. I don't know about you, but I definitely feel different this morning. It's been kind of a weird week, a lot of different things that can weigh heavily on you with things going on in the world and a lot of different conversations with people in the hospitals or on their deathbeds and things like that this week. It just kind of sets the tone a little bit, you know, and as Phil was praying, it just dawned on me to turn to that passage, and I'm not sure if it's the same one you're thinking of, but Psalm 116, beginning in verse 12, says, What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. You know, and I, as I Contemplate that. You know, obviously, we're not promised tomorrow. You never know, as, as Jeff said, some, we could just die suddenly. You know, so what are we making of the time that we have today? You know, and as I've been going through this series, there's a lot of, a lot of different things that have been in, written on my heart in terms of what the Spirit is moving within myself, within this body. Um, it, it's exciting, but it's also fearful at times because there's change that can be involved in a lot of that. You know, and as we continue on our, our series, um, you know, I, I've learned more and more about many of you. And I do that by asking questions. A lot of times in my, inter- in my intros to the message, I ask various questions to get your minds centered on what we're going to be talking about or just to be thinking about different things in life. And sometimes after the service, you'll approach me and answer those questions, and I am no idea what you're talking about. Because I don't remember exactly what I asked. And you catch me up to speed in the context, and I agree and, and stuff like that. But I learn more about you through that. You know, asking questions is fun. I love to play devil's advocate, I love to, to just challenge people in their thinking by simply asking questions. Um, and you know, today we're going to be talking about exhortation. Um, it can easily be understood as encouragement. So, I'd like to ask you different questions about how you like to be encouraged. You know, everybody's a little bit different in that. Sometimes people are encouraged by words of affirmation, where people just compliment them a lot, and they're encouraged, and they're bolstered, bolstered in whatever they're doing, and they can go through life that way. Sometimes people are encouraged by having somebody beside them walking through life together. You know, you find that a lot of times in marriages where you're encouraging your spouse, just being with them. Sometimes receiving a small gift shows appreciation in your life that others can share. Uh, Whether it's a a small bouquet of flowers or uh, your favorite meal being cooked, it can just boost your mood a little bit. Sometimes we can be encouraged when others do things for us, helping us out with chores or projects that we have going on. Helping hands think, helps you to think that, you know, what I'm doing matters and people value me, that they want to help me out. And you're encouraged a little bit. So there's many ways that we can feel encouraged in our life. You know, when we apply this matter to our faith and how we're encouraged to grow in our faith, I think that there can be just as many ways as there are People. You know, um, there are many passages in Scripture that speak to the different circumstances and situations that we face in life. Uh, these Scriptures can be used to help point us back to the Lord in those times, to center our hearts and minds, to be encouraged in our faith. Um, we can do a lot of other things as well. Uh, we can go to conferences. We can have times of prayer, times of worship, where we're listening to different songs. We're spending time reading our Bible. We are spending time um, in a Bible study, reading a commentary, reading a book, or other things of that nature. You know, So when we contemplate our answers for these questions, I think that we also need to understand there's variables around them. The variables that many times can be assumed For instance, um, one variable is a lot of times, encouragement comes from outside of us. Now, we might have some strong willpower or fortitude to be able to encourage ourselves for a time being, to boost our morale, to get through some hard times or through something. But oftentimes, encouragement will come from others. And that can leave us a little bit vulnerable at times. Many times, As I contemplated, you know, this week with the world situations with Ukraine, um, a lot of thoughts and prayers go out, you know, when people need action, when people might need something tangible. So what do we give somebody that's requesting something in terms of encouragement? As Christians, hopefully we give them the word of God. You know, in two of the places that I went to this week, Psalm 62, verse 5. It says, For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. And then in Psalm 121, verse 2, it says, My help comes from the Lord who made the heaven and the earth. You know, as believers, our hope and our help comes from God. He is our source. Now, a means that God uses... To encourage is the church. So the church needs to be ready to give the encouragement of the Lord in order to build up and edify his body. Another factor that goes into this, another variable. Since we're all different in how we like to receive encouragement, um, how is that communicated to others? You know, when you think about communication, I harp on that quite a bit. Being a guy, I know I don't always communicate the best. Um, But, you know, we don't want to assume that other people know how we like to be encouraged. Now, for our spouses out there, I, I would hope that you know how to encourage your spouse. Treat that as a challenge. Do something this week to encourage them. Uh, Kids and parents, they have an awesome opportunity as well, or they've hopefully had some different conversations to know how you can build each other up, whether that's I'm proud of you to a child or a new creation made for your refrigerator that can be hung up, again, to show different encouragement. Each day, we have different opportunities to encourage many people. And it can be as simple as sending a quick card, a text, a phone call, Or something like that. There's plenty of ways that we can be salt and light in our lives. So again, we want to take those opportunities while it's still today. Because tomorrow's not promised. You know, when we think about our passage in Romans 12. Again, we're sticking with just going after um, one of these gifts to explore them a little bit more in depth. And in Romans 12, verse 8, Paul says the one who exhorts in his exhortation. But what is exhorting? What is exhortation? You know, it's not a word that we use a lot of times. It kind of sounds like a noise your body makes if you move the wrong way. You know, exhortation has a lot of different meanings, uh, or at least the Greek word has a lot of different meanings within the Bible. The Greek word is pericleo, and it can mean to encourage to urge, to implore, to request, entreat, to comfort, to cheer up, to console. It has roots within unity as well. Um, So when we think of this term, it's also the term that's up in verse 1 of chapter 12, where Paul says, I appeal to you, brothers. So that word appeal is also the same Greek term of exhorting. So we can kind of get a sense with those different definitions. Um, The three main translations in the Greek would be exhorts, encourages, and comforts. Any three of those are usually pretty good um, to fit in. Context will usually dictate which one you're going to use in those situations. Um, And as with the other gifts so far, again, I would say that this is a gift that's hard to tell between something that's natural and something that's supernatural when we are understanding the gifts. So this morning I want to give you an example of something that shows this difficulty while at the same time I would say could show how we might twist scriptures a little bit. You know that phrase twisting scriptures sometimes it's thrown out. Um, it's just thrown out there without an explanation, without an example of what's being meant when we're saying that. So I think that as we look at this, it can hopefully give us a little bit of understanding. You know, what do, we, what do we mean when we say that someone's twisting the scriptures? You know, do we just say that if somebody has a different interpretation than we do and we just assume that they're twisting scriptures? You know, so through this example, I want you to be able to see how in our own lives at times, hopefully it's not just me, we all can do this. So, if you recall, during the annual meeting, I said one of the things that I wanted to grow in this year was encouragement. Because encouraging is not something that I am naturally good at. Now, again, context might cause you to question that statement because perhaps you think I am good at it. Because I've helped you in the past or I've encouraged you in the past. I would venture to say that being a pastor is kind of cheating when it comes to this gift because you have to know a lot of scripture and you have to be able to speak into people's lives and you're around them a lot when they are in, you know, in the pits, so to speak, in order to pull them out. So it's kind of cheating. you know. Uh, naturally, I am a critical person. I have expectations that I just expect to be met. Uh, I have a lot of things that are going on in my life and I don't always have a lot of time to just sit and lollygag. It's always on to the next thing, and a lot of times I assume things to be done. I have those types of expectations, so I can be very critical in in how I am responding to people. I don't take time to appreciate things. You know, when I'm stressed out, I try to escape a lot of times. Again, that's my personality, and I'm working on that through the grace of God and the forgiveness of many. But, you know, as I look at this being a spiritual gift. It can be very easy then for me to justify I'm just doing a job. This doesn't come from the Spirit. Or maybe, you know, if you have similar functions in your own job that you're doing and it doesn't necessarily come naturally to you, you can just say, oh, that's just part of my job. It's not really who I am. You know, we can all have those types of things that impact us. And then we can then look at the scriptures and justify our personalities, our habits, our traits by saying, well, I guess the spirit just hasn't gifted me in this way. That would be twisting the scriptures in that I'm not open to the spirit gifting me this way. Instead, I'm going to live in my critical, sinful self the way that I want to. So I'm just going to deny or ignore the scriptures and then say, He hasn't gifted me in this way, so I can't, I don't have to compliment. I don't have to encourage. So we can see some subtlety within that in terms of denying the scripture to continue living in the way that I want to live. There's a selfish motivation behind it. Now, with these traits that I think that we all have that would be less than Stellar, people might find annoying, people might not like these different traits about us, they might not be favorable. We like to think, we, I ask the question, can these qualities that aren't so redeeming be redeemed? And the answer is yeah. You know, if it's within the Lord and he's doing that, of course it can. You know, my criticalness can give me a sharp eye to be able to see those times where people need to be encouraged? Will I listen to the prompting of the Spirit during that time? The anger that I might have, I could use as righteous indignation for different things that are going on. Um, you know, but if I'm trying to disguise a prideful anger as something for the Lord, I'm only making a fool of myself. You know, Insert whatever quality that you have that people might not like about you that you make justifications for in your own life, make excuses for how you're dealing with this issue. You know, we all go through those times. And with the spiritual gifts, we have to remember the main points. You know, the Spirit gives these gifts as he wills. He apportions them as he wills, as 1 Corinthians tells us. It comes from God. So the Spirit is going to give, lead, and guide us to be used as His vessels to accomplish the will of the Father. But, you know, sometimes as we lean on our own excuses of how we're not gifted in that way, we miss those opportunities as we ignore the Spirit moving in our lives. Now, I absolutely believe that the Spirit has gifted others with this gift because it's just a part of who they are. They're just great at it. in. In every church that I've been a part of, there's always been at least one, most times at least three ladies that would constantly send cards for encouragement. It was just their ministry. They love to check up on people, send cards randomly. I get cards at least once a month or once every other month from somebody within this congregation. And it's a good pick-me-up, it's a, it's a, it's a good encouragement. You know, people that just have something that is always what that person needs. Um, You know, as, as we understand how these gifts work in our lives, how the Spirit is moving in our lives to be used by Him, you know, we have to understand when we're not good at something, it shouldn't be an excuse for us not to be open to the Spirit's leading. It shouldn't get me off the hook of being an encourager, of being an exhorter as it's needed you know those excuses um, to to not encourage our children to not build up our spouses to not fill up their love tanks right you know which another thing another variable is many times when we're trying to encourage somebody when we're trying to love somebody a lot of times we're loving and encouraging in the ways that we want to receive rather than the ways that they want to receive you know the whole I give a compliment because I'm fishing for a compliment mentality. You know, we, we need to be aware of how people will receive different things because that can change how it's, recei- or how it's dealt with. You know, When we're exhorting and encouraging, comfort happens in many forms and many locations. Um, specifically, within the spiritual gift, this gift is used to motivate and encourage someone to maturity in their faith in Christ. You know, that's how we want to understand the gift of exhortation, the gift of encouraging, where Christ is being magnified, where we're building and edifying one another up in him. Um, somebody who is, has the gift of exhortation many times will include this in their teaching, um, in their prophecy, in discipling, in counseling of others. Somebody that has this spiritual gift a lot of times will look at trials as opportunities for growth. Um, somebody um, Somebody that has this gift would have wise counsel as they're sharing the word of God, as they're giving hope from God's word into those situations, giving that biblical perspective into the person's life. So a person that has this gift will be spending a lot of time memorizing scripture so that when those situations arise, the spirit can call those those passages to mind now on the negative side for this gift it may appear that an encourager will downplay situations by oversimplifying them or not acknowledging what the other person is going going through because here i have a verse to fix you you know a lot of times they might be thinking rather uh, about fixing the person rather than listening to what's really going on they could be misquoting scripture or taking things out of context because they might think it has to become a formula where certain passages always work for certain situations. Let me give you a, a for instance on that. Let's say I'm counseling a couple. Um, they're struggling in their marriage. They, they need some help. They're wanting some encouragement from the Lord, some biblical perspective. They come to me who is a pastor. What can you do for us, pastor? Help us, help us in our marriage. And if my answer to them is, wives, submit to your husbands. It's biblical, right? How does a man take that? See, I'm right. I told you. Let's go. How does a woman take that? Keep reading. I think there's more to that part. Right? Again, so we can, we can be so quick to fix something. We want that quick fix rather than that hard work. So, a part of an encourager isn't about fixing people, but rather drawing them into that depth of Christ. Encouraging somebody to go deeper in their faith, into the love, into the beauty and the majesty and the truth and the sovereignty of God. Helping them in their walk with the spirit. That is what they are encouraging them to do. So, We're going to be going through some different passages of Scripture today. Um, You know, the first couple here you don't necessarily have to turn to, but we're going to look through a couple of the different books of the Bible to see how encouraging is used. You know, encouraging is used a lot more than we think. You know, in prophecy, it's linked to that in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3. Um, where Paul says, the one who prophecies speaks to the people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation or comfort. So we can see how encouragement is built in to the preaching of the word of God, right? It's also linked to teaching as well. You know, when when you're teaching, you're trying to encourage people to learn. Um, And depending on the subject, a different translation of of that word of exhortation is comfort. You might be having to comfort the person to learn, whether it might be math or Latin, those two subjects seem to get the most tears in my house, to where I'm having to comfort rather than encourage. You know, when we think about um, how this gift is used, it is also to be used by the body. You know, it's not to be one person who is the encourager. And in the passages that we look at, I want you to notice that. The call is to everyone to be an encouragement. So let's turn to the book of 1 Thessalonians, and we'll start there today. Several places near the end, Paul talks about encouragement, but beginning in chapter two is the first instance that we'll mention here. Chapter 2, verse 12. Well, I'll start in actually verse 11. That way I have the whole sentence. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. So we see how Paul is encouraging them in their walk. Okay. Kind of take note as we read through these what, what they are being encouraged to. See if you can spot those as well. Going over to chapter 4, verse 18. It simply says, Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Well, so context will have you go back up. He's speaking about the coming of the Lord. Speaking about the encouragement there. Skipping down into chapter 5, verse 11. Paul speaking about uh, the day of the Lord. He says, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you're doing. So with these two verses, we can kind of get some context of what's going on in Thessalonica. You know, the people, the community, this church, um, you know, they're probably facing persecution and they're wondering, when is the Lord coming back? And Paul is encouraging them with the words that, you know, look, Jesus promised. He's going to be coming back. So we can have stock in that. We can have faith in that. Okay? And then in the final instructions in chapter 5 in verse 14, um, he says, And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle. So correct the the idle. Encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. Be patient with them all. Um, so we, for those who are discouraged, for those who are disheartened, we are to encourage them. They need to be lifted up. And again, he is charging the whole body with this. He is speaking to the brothers. He is speaking to the believers within this church body to be doing that. Um, let's turn over to the book of Acts. We're going to be in Acts 2 to begin with. near the end of Acts 2, if you know your Bibles, um, this is where Peter is giving his sermon right after the Pentecost, Um, and he closes it this way in verse 40, and with many other words he bore witness, and he continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So you look at the exhortation that Peter gives to close his sermon. Flip over to chapter eleven. We're gonna read a couple of sections that are gonna be a little bit larger, and then we'll talk go back and talk about them just a little bit. Chapter eleven, I'm gonna begin in verse 19. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists. That's the Greeks. They spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. And then flip over to chapter 13. I'm going to begin in verse 13 and read kind of a large section there, so just follow along as you are able. Chapter 13, starting in 13. Now Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga and Pamphylia. And John left them and returned to Jerusalem. But they went on from Perga and came to Antioch and Pisidia. And with uplifted arm, he led them out of it. And for about 40 years, he put up with them in the wilderness. And after destroying seven nations in the land of Canaan, he gave them their land as an inheritance. All this took about 450 years. And after that, he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. Then they asked for a king. And God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. And when he had removed him... He raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do all of my will. Of this man's offspring, God has brought to Israel a savior, Jesus, as he has promised. Before his coming, John had proclaimed a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And John was finishing his course and as John was finishing his course, he said, What do you suppose that I am? I am not he. No, but behold, after me is coming, one is coming. After me, one is coming, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to untie. Brothers, the son of the family of Abraham, and those among you who fear God, to us has been sent this, the message of this salvation. For those who live in Jerusalem and the rulers Because they did not recognize him or understand the utterance of the prophets, which they read every Sabbath, fulfilled them by condemning him. And though they found in him no guilt worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when he had carried out all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in the tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he appeared to those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem Therefore, he says, and also in another psalm, you will not let your Holy One see corruption. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised up did not see corruption. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. Beware, therefore, lest what is said about the prophets should come about. Look, you scoffers, be astounded and perish, for I am doing a work in your days, a work that you will not believe, even if one tells you of it. So we see in these passages of Acts some different ways in which people are being exhorted in which different ways that they're being encouraged. The first passage, we see Peter exhorting them to save themselves from the crooked generation. This will deal more with repentance. Uh, in the next passage, it's to remain faithful to Lord with steadfast purpose. So he is encouraging them in their walk. And in this last passage, we see the gospel being given as a word of encouragement. You know, they're asked to bring an encouraging word. I can't think of anything more encouraging than sharing the gospel message with someone. You know, if somebody were to ask you, what's what's a good word for today? Does the gospel first, is that the first thing that comes to your mind to share? On the spot, would you be able to share how Paul does here? You know, last August we kind of went through that a little bit, understanding our testimonies, being able to be ready to share. Today in, in 1 Peter chapter 3 in our call to worship, we read about how we need to be ready for to give a response for the hope that is in us in Christ Jesus. What is the type of encouragement that we are going to give? You know, we think about the gospel message, being able to encourage even believers with that, reminding them, recalling to, to life how, how Jesus died for their sins and how we have everlasting life in God. You know, today as a minister of the word, I want to be a person who can teach the word of God and encourage others with his word to show how they should live according to it. You know, all of us should aspire to this. It's not just for a pastor. It's not just for one person in a church to be an encourager to be an exhorter. We need an understanding of how the Spirit gifts each according to his will. Each type of gifting will be used differently by the different person. There's different ways that we are naturally wired to encourage, to be that encourager, to bolster people in their faith. So when we think about encouragement, when we think about the opportunities that we have during our weeks, How are we using those opportunities for the word of God? Or when we think of encouragement, do we only think of vain things? I like your outfit today. You look weird since you trimmed your beard today, but still good. You know, when we think about how we encourage, like I said, many times we're just fishing for that affirmation ourselves. Many times we're just complimenting somebody to receive a compliment. And a lot of times it's in the vain things of this world. But how often are we encouraging people with the word of God? Many times we can get our whole lives wrapped around whether I'm pretty enough, whether I'm successful or strong enough. Our worth, the people that we speak to's worth, is rooted in Christ. Hope and help come from the Lord. That's what we need to be rooted in. That's what we need to be grounded in. In Acts, we see various forms of encouragement, whether it's repentance, perseverance, or unto salvation. Hebrews 3 tells us this in verse 12, beginning in verse 12. Take care, brothers. Lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another, every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As long as it is called today, we are called to encourage one another. I think of Garth Brooks' song, How Tomorrow Never Comes. I would keep singing it, but I'd probably tear up doing that. We have what people need in our hands and on our laps. We have what we need in terms of the word of God. It is the greatest encouragement that people could ask for or need. And we have been given those opportunities by the Spirit to be His vessel to do the work of God if we have eyes to see and ears to hear. So let's not ignore the promptings of the Holy Spirit this week as we encourage each other to grow closer in our walks to our Father. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we... Continue this series. Lord, there are many things that come up in our lives that can distract us, that can take our focus away from you. There are many situations that happen in life where we can be wrapped up in the things of this culture and the world. I pray that you would give us eyes to see everything through your lens. Help train our hearts and minds to be focused on the guidance of your spirit. Lord, train us by your word. So give us time each day to be in your word, reading large sections, taking it in and growing closer to you. Lord, not just for ourselves, but so that we can be used by your spirit, so that we can use the word that we are reading to encourage those around us. Lord, we are each just one person. But as one person, we know many people. And we interact with a lot of different people throughout the week that others within this body don't interact with. So you have given these opportunities solely to us. Help us to use them wisely. Lord, I pray for open hearts and minds for those that we talk to. I pray that your words would ever be on our lips. And Lord, I thank you for the encouragement of your word today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.